You're listening to an exclusive soundbite series brought to you by Wired for Wonder, a proud innovation by Combank and The Moment HQ. Prepare yourself as we take you on a mini journey to reignite your curiosity, foster wonderment, and send creativity bustling through your veins. Hello and welcome to the Wired for Wonder and The Moment HQ's soundbite series. I'm your host, Monica Cade. Joining me today is Wendy Orr, who is an award-winning author. Prior to her writing career, she was an occupational therapist. Then suddenly came a car accident that broke her neck, but made her a writer. Wendy grew up in France, Canada, and the USA. She was a compulsive reader and writer from an early age, and she now writes for children, young adults, and adults. Her books have been published in 25 countries and languages. Wendy also worked on the screenplay that turned her book, Nim's Island, into a 2008 Hollywood feature film, starring Jodie Foster, Abigail Breslin and Gerard Butler. So let's welcome her. Hi, Wendy. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Monica. Lovely to talk to you. Likewise. So take me back and tell me what goes through your mind when you realize you've broken your neck and your ability to walk again is in question. It was actually quite a long process of of the diagnosis and everything because the x-ray wasn't red. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was told that I had whiplash, but I also had uh, broken ankles and I actually had a fractured skull, but that wasn't x-rayed at the time either. And a severely smashed um, heel and severely smashed thumb. So I had quite a mess. So it was a week or so before they actually realized that my neck was broken and just how lucky I'd been to survive. Mm-hmm. I actually just went into, I guess, denial. I just, yeah, well, it's a broken bone. I survived. I didn't actually uh, break the spinal cord, so I'll be better in six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of stuck to that, you know, for two years. And That's awesome. <laughs> it, it didn't work. <laughs> for quite a long time. Mm. And so then it was gradually, you know, you go to the doctor and say, oh, I've got the cast off my leg, but I can't really walk. And they said, well, you didn't really think you were going to go for a walk again. You know, you, you, you'll never walk on rough ground. You'll never wear high heels. You'll wear a splint. We're going to do more surgery and kind of freeze your whole leg. It was absolutely devastating. Just sort of, it was, it was two years of sort of just bad news after, one after the other. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> How did you find the strength within yourself to keep going? Because I'll, I know in my own life, anytime that I faced a significant challenge, you know, you go into these moments of real darkness and, and such strength is needed to get through it. And sometimes you just, you know, you just want to get to the end of the day. How was it for you? I think so much of it is often shifting our focus, shifting the way we see things. So there were a couple of things for me. One was that my 12-year-old son was in the car Mm -hmm. and he wasn't injured. Mm -hmm. So whenever I thought this is just unbearable, I thought, but thank God it wasn't him. Mm -hmm. If it was my child being told that he would never play any sport again, never be able to walk properly that would just be so infinitely worse Mm. that that gave me a lot of strength. It also, when I started looking at it and 
I so nearly died. I, I had a near-death experience. I believe that I died briefly. And when I stopped thinking, God, you're such a failure. You know, you spent two years trying to get better and you still can't walk and you still can't do this. And I thought, but I did come back to life. And that was really helpful to sort of start letting me think that, well, maybe I was doing okay. Mm. And I think the other thing is I am basically an optimist. Mm. So even when I was being told really bad news, you know, that I would probably have severe pain for the rest of my life, I thought, I I just don't think that can be right. There'll be something. And and in the end, I, you know, I, I did find treatment that helped me. It took about 15 years. Mm. But I did work through it. But I think so much of life is about shifting focus of how we see these issues. Of course, I'm not saying there weren't some really, really dark times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, yeah. I don't believe in, I don't believe that we should fudge those when we admit an experience to somebody else because it, it invalidates what they might be feeling at the time. You yeah. Know, that sort of just, oh, well, I just pulled up my bootstraps and said, ha. Huh, you know, who needs a leg? <laughs> you know, you, you've got to admit there were bad times and that's, you get through the bad times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. I think the, the actual journey of the story, the light and the darkness of it is so important for people to hear because for someone that might be in a similar situation, hearing about someone else's darkness enables them to feel like they're not abnormal and they can relate and then they can also see oh wow and now this person also healed or got better or overcame this challenge and then that's what gives people the strength to carry on exactly I think you've said that beautifully oh thank you (laughs) I actually wrote one book which I I gave my accident to a 16 a 17 year old girl Mm -hmm. and what I felt most strongly because this was early in the days of of dark YA literature. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of concern, very bit of concern for my editor that I was a bit too dark. Mm-hmm. And I just remember waking up one night thinking, well, what was the point of having this accident if I don't tell the truth? Wow. <laughs> and and I don't actually believe that there was a point to it, but that was what I thought in the middle of the night. And I thought, if anybody reads this book, there will be a kid who reads it who has had a trauma mm-hmm. and I have to be truthful for them mm. and and yes yeah, so that was that was a very very kind of significant decision for me I remember quite a few years ago when I first started writing a a book of my own, I remember doing some research and I came across something and it was some sort of advice for writers where it said, you know, tell the truth, always tell the truth. And that really stuck with me. And I think that's not just applicable to writers, it's applicable to anyone in everyday life, you know. So often we sugarcoat things or we just, you know, shy away from the truth. But the truth is what ultimately is beautiful and can set so many people free. Yes. And truth in fiction is, I think, absolutely essential. I think that fiction has the capacity to be truly true with a biography, a memoir. You you know, you maybe got to be careful for legal reasons. You maybe Mm. have to be careful for moral reasons. You just don't 
hurt someone unnecessarily. Mm. But fiction can really cut through to real, to emotional truth. Mm. And I, I think that is what's so powerful about it. Yeah. Tell me, do you believe in writer's block? I, I don't really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are lots and lots of different reasons that you may not be able to write at, at one time. Mm-hmm. And I think they maybe need to be addressed. And certainly lack of confidence it can certainly be one. Mm-hmm. But, and sometimes there's straight fatigue You know, when you're talking about writing every day, I don't believe you should write every day. I do think you should take a day or two off a week. Mm -hmm. I think that there's such a thing as not being ready to write this story right now. Maybe you haven't actually worked it all out yet. Mm. Or maybe there's an emotional reason you're not ready for this one. And I I finally realized that often when people talk about writing's block, they're saying, I want to be a writer. I don't know what to write about. Well, you have to have an idea, mm. you know, and and you can, you know, if, if you just think you want to be a writer and you want to find some ideas, there are lots of kind of games you can play to to find ideas. But I, th- I think that you have to have an idea that is really burning at you if you are going to make that into a book. There has to be something you really have to find out about and it won't leave you alone. And there will be times in that when you think, I would rather go out for coffee than look at this screen another minute. <laughs> but that's not actually writer's block, you know, because you you might actually be tired. You might need to go out for a coffee and have a break. Mm-hmm. And you might not know what happens next. And then, you know, there are lots of techniques you can use to help work out what happens next. And some of that might be taking a break. Mm. you know even for a week so true and that applies to so many industries too like the longer like if there's a problem or you're feeling stuck or something like that the best thing you can possibly do is just step away from whatever you're doing and take a breather because it's when we stop trying to work out the the problem the solution or you know the story idea or the project idea comes to us in those moments I think that you know, a lot of us are trained into that sense of guilt. I, I haven't finished this job. I can't go and have a coffee. I can't go and walk on the beach. Mm. Um, and yet, you know, walking on the beach is probably the best thing if you can't just figure out what on earth you can do with this problem. And, of course, you do have to have a beach nearby, but you can walk somewhere else. <laughs> it does help, doesn't it? <laughs> Wonderful. And can you tell me before we finish up, what do you love about Wired for Wonder? It's just a sort of mind-boggling gift to be bombarded with all these wonderful thoughts and ideas and think, and this is actually what I'm supposed to be doing today. Mm. I'm not supposed to be writing a report. Mm. I'm actually just listening and soaking up ideas. I mean, that is just extraordinary and, and maybe a bit against that terrible work ethic I was just talking about. Yeah, um, exactly. Thank you so much for talking with us. It was a real pleasure. Oh, thank you, Monica. It was lovely to talk to you. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye.